Hello and welcome to From the Shotgun Podcast. My name is Sean O'Leary and I am joined by my co-host TJ Sarbacker. TJ, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Sean. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. So I'm going to talk a little bit about ourselves before we get started here. So TJ, why don't you introduce yourself a little more? Yeah, so um, I'm a uh, fifth year uh, student attending the uh, University of Nevada, Reno. Um, I'm double majoring in mathematics and journalism, which sounds a little weird. Um, And basically, it comes from uh, the fact that when I came to UNR, I wanted to do like sports statistics. I've always liked math and numbers and stuff like that. So I wanted to do sports statistics when I first got here. But then I got into doing sports broadcasting, and I've been fortunate enough to do sports broadcasting for some local high schools, for University of Nevada Athletics, that kind of stuff. Um, So I decided to, you know, uh, double major in journalism, and uh, I will be graduating in the winter, in this winter, so, um, and hopefully to pursue a career in sports broadcasting. So, yeah, that's me. That's awesome. So as for myself, I am a fourth year student at the University of Nevada, Reno, majoring in journalism and minoring in cinema and media studies. I've been writing since I was about a sophomore in high school. So I came into college and wanted to do that. And while I've been here, I've actually been a news writer for the Reno Aces, attending every home game. So my job is to sit and watch baseball all day, which isn't too bad. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I th- it seems like we've both been fortunate enough to land in some pretty good positions so far being in school. Yeah, definitely. So enough about us. We're going to get into what happened over this past weekend in the NFL and preview a little bit of next week. So the first big news item that we had was the Miami Dolphins named Tua Tungavailoa the fifth round pick or the fifth overall pick out of Alabama in the 2020 draft their starter Tua came in in some garbage time work in the game against the Jets through a couple passes but in all honesty TJ this was kind of a shocker to me yeah, I mean, it it really kind of came out of nowhere, I feel. Like, you know, obviously the Dolphins, they were they were romping the Jets 24 nothing. So it was cool seeing Tua, you know, get an opportunity to come in at quarterback and, you know, replace Ryan Fitzpatrick. But um, Fitzpatrick had been playing well. Obviously they got the win against the Jets this past week. Not a very good Jets team, but a win nonetheless. You know, they got a win in prime time a couple weeks back on the road against the Jaguars, and they got the win last week against the 49ers. I mean, they've won three of their last four, only lost in their coming to the Seahawks only by eight points. But, yeah, I mean, the Dolphins and Fitzpatrick, they had been playing well over the last couple weeks, and it's kind of weird, you know. Granted, I, I think it's awesome that Tua is being named the starting quarterback for Miami. But, yeah, it just almost felt like it was something I didn't see coming by any means. No, I mean, I thought, in all honesty, I thought they would have Fitzpatrick be the full-time starter until they were out of the playoff race or even redshirt to it for a year. And my first, my initial thought was, when this broke, was that, are are they rushing this a little bit? I, I didn't understand, like you said, Fitzpatrick's been playing pretty well. I just didn't understand why you do this so quickly. And the more I thought about it is, this was going to be from the moment they drafted him. This was this is to his team, 
and maybe they think he provides them with some more electricity than Fitzpatrick does. I'm not really sure, but I'm excited for him to get in there because now that means that Burrow, Herbert, and Tua, all top 10 picks are all now starting for their respective teams. So as a draft guy, it's it's good to see this finally happen. I think that's really cool too because it, it kind of like shows that like those guys were drafted in like the right spots. Like those guys all are worthy of getting starting spots in the NFL. And, you know, I'm a fan of all three of them personally. I mean, obviously me being a Bengals fan, big fan of Joe Burrow, but I've loved watching Tua. Uh, Herbert, he's hit some rough patches along his football career, but love watching him. And I think one of the coolest things about Tua is really like the journey that he's been on. You know, from the from the moment that he came in and won a national championship with Alabama, replacing Jalen Hurts, and you know, up to where he is now, and I, I think it's just absolutely amazing from where he's where he started from to where he is now. Yeah, I like everything you said, except for you had to mention the national championship game. No, that's like, I know that was. A game. <laughs> You know, I, and I've always been, I was talking to you about this too. I've, I've always been big Georgia guy too. So I, you know, it hurt me to watch Alabama win, but at the same time, it was cool to see Tua do what he did. Yeah. Tua is one of those dudes that wherever he is, you have to root for him. So it's good to see him finally get his chance. So we're going to move on to something a little less joyous. And that is two of the league star running backs, Raheem Moster and Miles Sanders were injured on Sunday. Mostert looks like he's going to be out an extended period because the 49ers put him on IR with a high ankle sprain. And as for Sanders, it's just a one or two week injury. So it doesn't look like it'll affect him long term this season, but it's definitely unfortunate for those guys and their teams. It sucks really because, you know, Sanders had had a really good last couple of weeks. Two weeks ago against Pittsburgh, he had two touchdowns. And then this week he ran for 100 yards for the first time all season. And he had been dealing with injuries, if I'm not mistaken, in week one as well. So he didn't first officially start and play until week two against the Rams. But sucks to hear about him. And, you know, as for Raheem Mostert, like, basically the same thing. He got injured, what, week two or three against the Jets on that terrible MetLife turf. Um, where, you know, it seemed like every single 49er got injured on that turf. And just like that, he's possibly back on the IR again and potentially out for the season. But the Niners, I think, are in slightly better hands, I would say, than the Eagles are. I think Jarek McKinnon's a little bit of a better backup running back than Boston Scott may be for the Eagles. Um, you know, even with the Niners as well, you also got Jeff Wilson to back up uh, Jarek McKinnon. So I think they've got kind of a nice little tandem going on with those two there. With the Eagles, I think it's going to be a little more interesting to see how that running back position plays out. Fortunately for them, it's possibly you know, only going to be for a couple weeks or so. But it'll be interesting to see what uh, Doug Peterson does with uh, his running back situation in the coming weeks. Yeah, Raheem Mostert being out and on IR is huge for the 49ers. The Kyle Shanahan offense is built around the run game, and he's their starter. He's the dude. So – it's a pretty big blow, and they do have McKinnon and Wilson, who Wilson was inactive on Sunday. They also have a, a guy by the name of Jamichael Hasty, who they brought up from the practice squad. He got nine carries on Sunday. 
And a lot of 49ers Twitter is really excited about that dude. In his few carries, he was pretty electric with the ball in his hand. So we'll see what happens there. It'll be interesting to see how Kyle Shanahan adjusts without his number one running back. And as for Sanders, it sucks because now the Eagles are without their best offensive weapon. And now you're going to have to rely on a guy like Boston Scott and Travis Fulgham and these dudes who normally wouldn't be NFL starters. So, like you said, Doug Peterson's going to have to pull off some magic here in the next few weeks. That's basically what he's been having to do all season long. I mean, shoot, because not only Sanders is out, but I know we were talking Zach Ertz might miss some time as well. So, you know, you got him out. Deshaun Jackson, he's also questionable as well. I know he hasn't played too big of a role this year, but he's also on the injury report. And, yeah, you know, Eagles offensive weapons just dropping like flies. So we're going to go from talking about injuries to talking about a player that spent most of his career dealing with injuries, and that is former top 10 pick John Ross of the Cincinnati Bengals, who requested a trade out of Cincinnati. Looks like he wants to get a fresh start. So you as the Bengals fan, I'm going to let you uh, start this one off and talk about John Ross. I have always had mixed feelings about John Ross, you know, ever since he got drafted top 10 overall to where he stands now because of a couple things you know it seems like he can't stay off the injured reserve list as you were kind of talking about but you know it also seems like he doesn't make those plays that top 10 draft picks make sure he's got the speed and you know sure he's got that 40 yard dash time that everybody talks about but it just seems like in watching him play he just doesn't feel like a top 10 overall pick to me and he never has you know it would be something that I wouldn't be too opposed against I don't think because obviously you know you had the Bengals draft T Higgins in the last draft and he's he's been great so far and he's working alongside um, AJ Green on the other side of the field which it was good to see Green make some plays this past week against the Colts after he had you know an abysmal game against the Ravens but then you got some other guys as well that have been doing stuff for the Bengals in the wide receiver core department like you've got um, Tyler Boyd you know he's been the guy that's kind of sort of replaced Green when he's been injured over the past couple of years. And then a guy that I've always, you know, liked who works on the offensive side of the ball and on special teams as well is Alex Erickson. And I, I think, I think him, especially, I think he could definitely be a guy like if Ross were to go somewhere else, I would like to see, you know, Erickson possibly step in there and take his place. Because I, I want to say that was kind of the position that he has played in when Ross has been injured. So, you know, with those four wide receivers right there, you know, I, I would be confident with where the Bengals would be, you know, in terms of that department. I completely agree with what you said about John Ross, even from the moment that he was drafted. He wasn't a top 10 pick as a receiver coming out of college in the first place. And you look at what Andy Dalton was at the time with what John Ross was, and it just didn't, it didn't really mesh. You don't, you don't have a guy who can throw down the field, much like how I felt about the uh, Raiders drafting Henry Ruggs. Um, it seems to be working out fine for the Raiders so far, but John Ross was just never, never that guy. And I mean, he had a good final year at uh, Washington with Jake Browning, but he just never seemed like that dude for me. And I always thought he was drafted too highly. So maybe, maybe he can, get out of Cincinnati, stay healthy, and resurrect his career a little bit. But 
I don't know, one, what the Bengals could get for him. Probably not much, maybe a late-round pick. And two, who would even want a player like that? Yeah, I entirely agree. I scroll through Twitter and I see a couple of, you know, potential trade ideas, but it's like, I don't know how reasonable some would be. Like I'm seeing one right here from Mike Clay says David Njoku for John Ross. Like, I don't know, would the Browns really take a deal like that? Like you said, I I don't know what team based off what they've seen John Ross do throughout his career. I don't know if I would take him. Yeah, it's, he's going to be a tough guy to move and I'll be interested to see what the market is. If there's one at all. I don't really think there will be, but maybe the Bengals, like I said, can get a weight round pick for a dude who has really, really top tier speed. I, I'm not too sure. So we're going to move on from the news and talk about this last week's games. The first one we're going to talk about is Texans Titans, a game that went into overtime that saw Derrick Henry run crazy. Deshaun Watson, Maybe it might have been his best performance of his career so far, to be honest with you. And we saw an interesting decision by Romeo Cornell at the end of the game to go for two. Uh, So I want to get your thoughts on that. It was kind of a decision uh, Mike Zimmer had last week on fourth down. So I want to get your opinions on it. Yeah, and I think you you say that, or that's a good comparison to make because it's a decision that basically would have put the nail in the coffin of the game. And like – like, yeah, it was weird because, like, I was, you know, watching the scores and I was like, okay, you know, they're up 30 to 29. Check back later on, saw they're up 36 29, and then saw the Titans drive down and score the touchdown to uh, tie the game. And I'm like, just kind of sitting there thinking to myself, I was like doing the math in my head. I was like, shouldn't they have been up, you know, 37 29? Like, what the heck is going on? I don't entirely agree with it because, you know, the Titans offense. They hadn't been playing too bad in the second half, but I feel like you've got to trust your defense to get one of two stops, basically. Either a stop to prevent the Titans from scoring a go-ahead touchdown or a stop from the, you know, the two-point conversion. So I feel like that decision right there by the Texans and Cornell, it, it just really showed how they didn't trust their defense. And I think, it, I think it's a little bit different in that regard than the Vikings and Mike Zimmer's decision because that wasn't really, you know, not trusting your defense. That was just, you know, you just wanted to put it away. But, no, I, I think you take the extra point there because, again, the Titans would have needed to do one of two things on that final drive. They would need to go down, score a touchdown, and get the two-point conversion. So, yeah, no, I, I just don't agree with it. Yeah, it, it made no sense at the time, and it still makes no sense why you wouldn't just go up eight and make them go convert that two-point play because even if you don't trust your defense that's still a lot to ask of the Titans at the end of the game and I just have to say that Derrick Henry is incredible so maybe maybe that's why Cornell made that decision but it still it, it makes no sense and last week with the Vikings and Seahawks that one did make sense it was you're putting more on Russell Wilson in that in that stage, but he he's an interim head coach for a reason, I guess. And maybe Bill O'Brien makes the same decision. He probably does. But it, I think it was the best game of the week, and it gave us something to talk about. As did Derrick Henry, who 
went absolutely nuts in this game. Were you able to watch it at all? Oh, dude's a monster. Yeah, no, I saw because I I've, I'm fortunate enough to have him on uh, my fantasy team, so I absolutely was watching his highlights when they were popping up. You know, his 94 yard touchdown run, 212 yards throughout the game, two total touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, my goodness, that that dude's an absolute monster. Um, and you know, we can even talk about as well uh, in the game that they played. What was it last Tuesday as well? What the heck did he do to Josh Norman? Yeah, he uh, he bullied Josh Norman. I think I I was watching that game with with my mom, and I turned to her and I said, "Norman's got to Norman's got to retire. He's got to pull Avante Davis and retire at halftime after that because it was it was ugly." There is another player I want to talk about on the Titans, and that is Ryan Tannehill. And I want to get your opinion on whether or not he belongs in the MVP race right now. Man, that is a great question because, you know, I think if you were to ask like any casual football fan that question, I think that like the answer would be no. But with what he's done, you know, specifically over the last two weeks now, like the, just the last two weeks alone to, you know, lead the Titans to that comeback against the Texans. Now, you know, lead them down that ga- game tying drive, but lead them down the game winning drive as well throw for over 350 yards, four touchdowns, and he only threw his second interception of the season. That's just crazy. Two touch or two interceptions, I should say, as opposed to 13 touchdowns. Now, is he in the MVP race? I would put him, I would probably put him in the top 10 at the very least. I think it's clear and obvious that Russell Wilson is the um, outright front runner right now, but I think I, I'd have to see a little bit more out of Tannehill because like I said, what he's done the last two weeks to dismantle the bills like they did. And then to come back and beat the Texans like they did. I think that should put him in at least the top 10 of that discussion. And I just need to see a little bit more out of him before I can say, okay, he's in like top five or top three. That's just my opinion. That makes sense. I would definitely put him inside the top 10. And I think the performances from Aaron Rodgers and Josh Allen, which were not great, definitely helps his case and makes it a little more wide open behind Russell Wilson right now. So we're going to move on to the next game on the docket, and that is Ravens-Eagles. So at halftime and a little ways into the third quarter, it looked like this was going to be a complete blowout and the Ravens were dismantling the Eagles. And all of a sudden, Carson Wentz puts the team on his back, scores 22 points in the fourth quarter, but cannot convert the two-point at the end of the game. I know that Carson Wentz has gotten a lot of flack for his performance this year, and while I think it is deserved in some regards, he is a guy that is extremely talented and can still do something like this without his top weapons. You lose Miles Sanders, Zach Ertz, and he puts the Eagles in a position to go down and tie the game at the end of the fourth quarter. So what do you think about Carson Wentz and just this game overall? I totally agree with you saying that, you know, I feel like Carson Wentz definitely gets too much flack, pretty much like going off what I was talking about earlier. Eagles are absolutely dismantled in the offensive weapon department. You know, Alshon Jeffrey out, Deshaun Jackson dealing with injury, Miles Sanders dealing with injury. And, you know, the top wide receiver over the last two weeks has been Travis Fulgham, who once again had a, Another very good game against the Ravens, 75 yards and a touchdown. 
but yeah, I, I think that's one of the biggest things is just his offensive weapons just either haven't been there like physically or they just haven't been performing that well. Cause I mean, you look at a guy like Zach Ertz, he hasn't done much this year at all. He's usually at the very least, you know, a top five tight end in the league. If I'm not mistaken, I don't know if he's gotten the end zone at all this year, but yeah, I just think mainly the lack of dudes that he has to throw to, I think he's done, I think he can definitely do better. Don't get me wrong, but I definitely think he's done better than a lot of other quarterbacks might do in that position. Yeah, I totally agree with you because, I mean, we're talking about a dude who was the front runner for the MVP before he tore his ACL in 2017. So I know that's been a tough start to the season for the Eagles, as it has been for every single NFC East team. But I don't think we should start calling for Jalen Hurts just yet. As for the Ravens, this offense is way different than it was last year. You're getting very little production out of your running backs, which was the big part of what they were last year. And yes, Lamar Jackson won the MVP and he's still very good, but this offense just isn't the same. No. And it's, it's weird to see how they're still successful. I mean, they still put up 30 points this week against the Eagles and they're, you know, they moved to five and one, but yeah, I mean, last year it was all about Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram. But this year, you know, you're barely hearing a peep out of Mark Ingram. I mean, shoot, he had five carries for only 20 yards against the Eagles this past week. But, yeah, no, it's kind of strange because that Ravens offense was and kind of still is a ground-heavy offense. You know, they weren't wanting Lamar Jackson to – or weren't really needing Lamar Jackson to throw the ball around that much. But it's really weird how, you know, obviously he's still producing on the ground but how they've been able to still be successful even without that threat in the running back position. Yeah, I think what you just said is what's going to land Greg Roman, Ravens offensive coordinator, head coaching job this next offseason because he's definitely a guy that can scheme something up, and he's been doing it without any production from Mark Ingram, who was their top back last year, and they drafted J.K. Dobbins, but even he – isn't getting it done at this point. So it'll be interesting to see how the Ravens adjust and they always will because John Harbaugh and Greg Roman are fantastic coaches. So moving on to two other AFC North teams, the Browns and the Steelers. Browns came into this game at four and one with a lot of optimism headed their way. The Steelers came in four and oh and one of the best defenses in the league. This game was not close. Uh, 38-7, to Baker Mayfield was not great while playing injured and got pulled after 18 pass attempts for Case Keenum because Kevin Stefanski said that he didn't want him to keep getting hit because they weren't protecting him. What Do you think that before this game, we or the NFL community as a whole was kind of overrating the Browns, even though they were 4-1? I would say a little bit. I think based off who they played so far this year, their schedule hasn't been like entirely strong, right? They've beaten the Bengals, the football team from Washington, the Cowboys and the Colts. But, you know, their two losses, though, are arguably against two of the best teams in the AFC, in the Ravens and the Steelers. 
I definitely think they're overrated to an extent, but I still think they're a pretty good football team. And I, I still think they're a football team that come the end of the season, they will find their way into the playoffs in all likelihood as a, as a wild card team. But I think they've, they've still got an incredible offense. And I think that is shown in those four games that they had into the four wins in a row. 35 points, 34 points, 49 points, and 32 points in four straight games. I mean, that's just crazy. But, yeah, I'm, you know, just kind of looking at their remaining schedule, I still think they're a team that will make it to the playoffs when it's all said and done. And I think it would be disappointing if they weren't to make it to, to the playoffs, especially in this year's extended playoff format. But, yeah, I still think that they've got a good offense there in Cleveland. I just think Baker Mayfield just had just two just absolutely off weeks in their two losses that they've had so far this season. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. This offense is good. And while it definitely misses Nick Chubb, who's out with an MCL injury, you you replace Nick Chubb with Kareem Hunt, who once upon a time led the league in rushing yards. So that's not too bad of a guy to have to hand the ball off to without Nick Chubb. I think – Baker, if what Stefanski said was true and that he was hurt, then fine. But Baker's got to find a way to be a little better in these big games, and maybe they need to make him more of a game manager, which he has been over the past few weeks, those four wins. But they need to – he needs to be better, and he needs to be that guy that was the number one overall pick, which he was not last year. He wasn't in week one. And he showed some improvement over the, their four wins and then declined again against the Steelers. And, again, the Steelers team has a really, really good defense, arguably the best in the league. And maybe it just was an off day, but Mayfield's got to get more consistent for sure. As for the Steelers, man, Chase Claypool's a star. Yeah, Claypool's a stud. I mean, you know, obviously coming into the season, I want to say that their two top wide receivers, you know, had to have been at face value. Obviously, Juju Smith-Schuster, but I thought Deontay Johnson, I thought he was going to be a beast too. Obviously, he's dealt with some injuries here and there, but man, Claypool, what a job he has done stepping into that wide receiver role uh, for Pittsburgh because he had the huge week last week against Philadelphia. And he comes back this week and once again is the leading receiver in that game with four receptions for 74 yards. I mean, yeah, that dude's a beast. I'm really looking forward to see him or to seeing him improve. And that's even coming from me, a Bengals fan. Yeah, outside of week one in which Juju Smith-Schuster had two touchdowns, he's been pretty invisible for the rest, for the entire season. And it kind of makes me wonder if they might be looking to move him at some point especially with Claypool and it seems like they really believe and a lot of people really believe in Deontay Johnson and then you have James Washington as a good third uh, number three receiver and it's not like they have to worry about that because they have some magical ability to make every receiver they draft in the late round a star so yeah I, I wonder if they move on from Juju after this season I'd be interested to see what his market would be if that was the case I don't know if they actually do that because he's just – he's really good despite what he's shown this season already. The next game we're going to talk about is the Green Bay Packers at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. One game that I read completely wrong, I thought that Aaron Rodgers was going to come in and at least play competently compared to what he did 
in the actual game, I mean, I picked them to win, and I picked them confidently. Aaron Rodgers is playing like an MVP, and after the pick six, momentum swung, and the Packers didn't even stand a chance. Yeah, I mean, they just fell apart. I mean, shoot, they were up 10 nothing after the first quarter, but then Bucks went on and scored 28 points in the second quarter. You know, you look at Rodgers' performance throughout that game, and boy, was it abysmal. 16 of 35, 160 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions, one of them being a pick six. The second one also was almost another pick six as well. But, yeah, I pers- I mean, you want to talk about overrated teams. I thought, personally, the Bucks were one of the most overrated teams, you know, in the offseason and so far throughout the season, especially after they lost at Chicago on Thursday night the week before. But, man, you got to give, you got to give them credit down there. Defense played well. Brady didn't play spectacularly, but, you know, he didn't really need to. Defense set them up in good positions. He only threw for 166 yards and two touchdowns. Um, yeah, the Bucks definitely, on the offensive side of things, I, I feel like kind of proved me wrong, especially, I think, especially on the ground game. Because, I mean, man, what a game did Ronald Jones have. 23 carries, 113 yards, and two touchdowns. I mean, that dude absolutely went off against the Packers' rush defense, which has not been a very good rush defense so far this season. I'm there with you regarding the Bucks. I came into this season thinking that Tom Brady was cooked, especially after what he did last season. I mean, he looked like he couldn't throw the ball 15 yards on the field last season at times. And Gronkowski coming out of retirement, I didn't expect much from him at all. And Gronkowski had a terrific game. He looked like he was 2011 Rob Gronkowski going up and making some of those contested catches. So I, while I do think they can still be inconsistent sometimes, even if they – maybe weren't inconsistent a whole ton against the Packers. The ground game is terrific. Ronald Jones is terrific. I loved Ronald Jones coming out of college and he dealt with some fumble issues his first couple of years, but I still think, I still thought that he was going to be really good and he's proving me right, which doesn't happen a lot. As for the, as for Aaron Rodgers' performance, yeah, it was, it was abysmal. There's no other way to put it especially with what he had done those first couple weeks. And I know that the, the Bucks have a good secondary, but I just expected more out of a dude who's been playing what looked like some of the best football of his career. Yeah, and that's what we had predicted last week too. I mean, I set it up pissed off Aaron Rodgers. is not an Aaron Rodgers you want to play against. And you could almost feel going into that game, you know, they were coming off a bye. Rodgers had been playing the way that he had been playing. And they were going into Tampa Bay where I feel like some people saw Tampa Bay winning. And I feel like that's when Rodgers plays at his best. So I, I honestly could have seen one of his better, if not the best performance of the season coming in this game against the Buccaneers. And it seemed like he was going to have that too after that first quarter, but then, you know, it just kind of all fell apart from there. Yeah, that we're definitely both wrong about this game for sure when we picked it uh let's move on to a game that we weren't wrong about and that will be Chiefs Bills this was the first game that Josh Allen kind of looked like the old Josh Allen and you know you get the Josh Allen experience no matter what but he looked terrible in this game and it wasn't the Chiefs weren't playing 
superbly. I mean, Mahomes was Mahomes was really good, like he always is. But I came into this game thinking it was going to be a shootout the way Josh Allen been playing, and I was completely wrong because for most of this game, the Chiefs dominated it. Yeah, and their offense looked great too. You know, not only like you said, Patrick Mahomes, but another team that established the ground game surprisingly this week being the Chiefs and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I mean, oh, my gosh, 26 carries, 161 yards. It didn't score at all. But I feel like that's something that you haven't exactly gotten out of the Chiefs over the past couple of years, especially since they've had Patrick Mahomes. But, shoot, I mean, that just added an extra dimension to that offense that you one could say was kind of lacking over the last couple of weeks. Because Edwards-Hilaire looked really good in week one, but then it's kind of faded a little bit since then. But, I mean, one of his best games of the year here against the Bills. Yeah. Mahomes didn't have anything too flashy, but he came back and he bounced back from his performance against the Raiders and 8.7 yards per attempt, two touchdowns. That's kind of what you wanted to see, especially in a game where it was a torrential downpour the entire time. And the big thing with Josh Allen when he was drafted was strong arm quarterback in make those big time throws in Buffalo in the winter and he didn't and Patrick Mahomes did and that's why the Chiefs won this game because yes Elair was absolutely incredible but this is a passing league and the Bills and Josh Allen just didn't do that yeah I mean it was a matchup really between two of the strongest arms in the NFL and yeah, Josh Allen didn't just didn't perform and he hasn't really the last two weeks now. Um, the only two losses of the year for the Bills. I think luckily for them, they've got probably the best matchup that they could have next week on the road against the Jets. So, you know, hopefully that will give Allen an opportunity to bounce back from two pretty ugly losses and hopefully get back on track before coming back home to face the Patriots and the Seahawks. Yeah, the Jets are a good matchup for any team in the NFL right now. So let's get into the upcoming games. And we have two teams that we've already talked about. And that is the Steelers and the Titans matchup of two undefeated teams, two very good offenses, one of the best defense in the league. And the Titans have a defense that you shouldn't scoff at. So let's get into this one a little bit. What are you looking forward to most in this game? And who do you think is going to win? I'm looking forward most to kind of like I was talking about earlier, how Ryan Tannehill plays again, because he's played absolutely outstanding the last two weeks against the Bills and then this week against the Texans. And I think this is probably the toughest test that the Titans have had so far this year and probably for the Steelers as well. But yeah, I'm interested to see if Ryan Tannehill really can keep it up. Because you know that Derrick Henry is going to get his due. You know that the Steelers' offense as a whole, I think, is going to get their due as well. But I think the key to this game is really going to be how Ryan Tannehill performs and how that Titans passing game does. Because I I think if he does well, combined with him and Derrick Henry, that offense is, is good enough to put up at least 30 points a game consistently. But once Tannehill starts to fade... You know, obviously, Derrick Henry can't do it on his own. So with that in mind, I think Tannehill's going to get it done. I think he'll keep the momentum going. I, You know, they got another home game, which is good for them. 
And yeah, I think the Titans, I think, have it, have what it takes to move to six and out. Yeah, I, I agree with you on wanting to see Dan Hill, but I do also want to watch Derrick Henry against this run defense because it is a very good run defense. And I know Derrick Henry is huge and very hard to tackle, but I think if the Steelers can take away the run game to an extent and make Tannehill beat them in the air, as you were saying, I think this has the makings of a shootout in all possibility, especially the way Claypool has been playing for Pittsburgh. So I, I think I'm going to go opposite direction of you. So I think I'm going to pick the Steelers. I think their defense is just too good. And I think that Roethlisberger, while he hasn't been lighting up the statistical leaderboards, he's been solid. And Chase Claypool has been awesome. So moving on to our next game, we have the Houston Texans coming off that heartbreaker of a loss to the Tennessee Titans in week six. And we also have Green Bay Packers, who, as we mentioned previously, got whooped by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So same question. What are you looking forward to most in this game? I'm looking forward to how Aaron Rodgers and the Packers bounce back after that loss. And I'm looking forward to it, but I think at the same time, I'm expecting it to happen because this absolutely now is a pissed off Aaron Rodgers. And people are looking at his performance from last week, you know, and saying that, okay, you know, maybe is this the start of him possibly going downhill again? But I, I think he's definitely going to bounce back this upcoming week against the Texans. I do think the Texans are one of the best one-in-five teams in the league right now because they've, you know, they've just kind of ran the gauntlet so far in terms of their schedule. You, know, you look at who they started with with the Chiefs on the road, but then played the Ravens, the Steelers, um, got a little unlucky against the Vikings, then beat the Jags, and then, like you said, lost that heartbreaker to the Titans. But I unfortunately think this is a perfect storm for the Green Bay Packers. Um, I think they're going to go on the road, and I think they'll beat the Texans by double digits this weekend. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to see how Aaron Rodgers bounces back. And I think this is a pretty good week for it to happen because, you know, the Texans' defense isn't great. I mean, they have J.J. Watt, they have Bradley Roby. But outside of that, it's just a bunch of Jags. And that is just a guy, not a Jacksonville Jaguar. But, yeah, I think I agree with you with the Packers winning. I'm not sure that it's by double digits, in my opinion, at least, because Deshaun Watson is still really, really good. And I think that the Packers defense is not that great as well. So I think that while the Packers will dominate this game for most of it and they'll keep the lead for the entire game, I think that Deshaun kind of – gives them a little bit of a scare, especially towards the end of the game. Yeah, I, I agree with with what you're saying because I know the Packers have arguably the worst rush defense in the league. So I think if the Texans can take advantage of that with David Johnson, I think that can definitely keep them in this game. And I, I do like what you're saying about Watson as well because he always seems to kind of make that push towards the end. You know, although it doesn't seem like he can get those wins from time to time or as consistently as you want him to. It does seem like, you know, he's always there. He's always lingering in the background. Yeah. He's definitely a guy, like I said, that puts a scare in you towards the end of the game. And I think 
especially without DeAndre Hopkins, it's been even more impressive to watch him do that week in and week out. So going down to Arizona now, we have a matchup between Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray, the Seahawks and the Cardinals. Uh, you talked about it earlier that Russell Wilson is the MVP frontrunner through this many weeks of the season. And we saw the Cardinals absolutely dismantle the Dallas Cowboys on Monday Night Football. Do you think the Cardinals have any shot in this game? I think they'll keep it close. I think one of the keys to this game is to see if Kenyon Drake can carry over his performance that he had against Dallas. Because, I mean, that dude's been non-existent so far this year. He's barely done anything. The only touchdowns he has scored has been at the goal line. But dude went off against Dallas this past Monday. So I think, I think if he can keep some momentum going, I think the Cardinals have a potential, keyword potential, to keep this game close. But I don't know. It, it's hard not to take Seattle in this game. They're coming off a bye, so you know that they'll be well-rested. And, yeah, I, I see that Seattle's only favored by three and a half points, but that's another game right there. I think Seattle will win by, at the very least, by a touchdown. See, I think in this game that the Seahawks, much like you thought about the Packers, I think the Seahawks are going to win this game by double digits. I know the hype coming in for the Cardinals coming in from the offseason was, you know, they got DeAndre Hopkins. It'll be a year or two late for Kyler Murray. And Cliff Kingsbury is one of the better offensive play callers in football. But I just – I haven't seen that leap from Kyler Murray that I would have liked to. I mean – they dismantled Dallas, but he was only 9 of 24. And he had a 60-yard pass play and an 80-yard pass play. And while I think that's the Cardinals' key to success long-term, I just haven't been as impressed with Kyler Murray as I wanted to be coming into this year. So for that reason, them going up against Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, I will take the Seahawks by double digits for sure. I think one thing that could potentially be exposed here, and this is where Kyler Murray can kind of take advantage of in this game, is the Seahawks' horrendous pass defense. They've got one of the worst pass defenses in the league. They've been allowing a boatload of uh, yards and touchdowns to receivers so far this year. And um, Christian Kirk finally had a pretty good game this past week against the uh, against the Cowboys. So I think if Murray can burn the Seahawks through the air, which obviously that's not what he's known for. But I think if he can burn them through the air, once again, I think they can keep it close. But I even, you know, even if that does happen, and if Kenyon Drake still continues to play well, I don't know. I I just still uh, see Seattle winning that game. Yeah, I agree with you. The Seahawks' pass defense is awful, and their run defense isn't even much better. Their defense as a whole has not been good so far this year. So I agree that maybe this is a week that Kyler starts taking that next step, taking that leap, and maybe Kenyon Drake helps him out a little on the ground. But I still think this is going to be the Seahawks game all the way. Moving on, we have those Tampa Bay Bucks that dismantled the Green Bay Packers against the Las Vegas Raiders. Excuse me, I almost said Oakland. The Las Vegas Raiders coming off a win against the Kansas City Chiefs. Now these I've been two pretty good teams. I mean, we both talked about how we expected the Bucks to, or we didn't agree with the hype surrounding the Bucks. And for myself, I knew that, I know that there are some people that like the Raiders coming into this year. 
I just didn't see it, and they've been proving me wrong. So, with that in mind, who you got in this one? Personally, this is the game I'm most excited for this week. You know, it's on Sunday night, first primetime game for the Raiders in Vegas since they beat the Saints at home 34-24. That shocked everybody, I want to say. And, you know, now they got Tom Brady's Bucks coming into town, and they're coming off a bye as well. So they will be rested too. And I don't know, you know, it, it's two teams, and you don't see this all too often, it's two teams coming off big wins against good opponents. You know, Raiders beating the Chiefs, Bucks beating the Packers. So you have a potential for letdown in either case. But, man, this is going to be a good game this week. I'm going to give the upper hand to – I'm going to go Raiders in this one. I think, I think the bye week is going to do them wonders in terms of coming back because of, you know, how funky of a season this has been so far. I think bye weeks are going to be really important for teams across the league more than ever this year. But, uh, yeah, give me, give me Derek Carr and the Raiders at home against the Bucs. I foresee uh, Carr playing well. And, yeah, give me the Raiders in that one. I uh, hear what you're saying about the letdown uh, from either side, but I'm going to go ahead and take the other team. I'm going to take the Bucks in this one. I think that this past week with the Packers, I think it'll kind of put them on a roll, maybe put some momentum on their side, especially coming out of that loss against Chicago. If Tom Brady can't keep just managing the game, throwing it to Gronkowski – Godwin and Evans letting his guys do those th- their things and even Ronald Jones I don't like Derek Carr's chances against the Bucks defense that made Aaron Rodgers look like Nathan Peterman so I'm going to go ahead and take the Bucks in this one but it is a tough game to to pick as you were saying it's going to be a really good game but I'm going to roll with the Bucks for sure moving on to the last game that we'll be previewing today that is the Chicago Bears against the Los Angeles Rams the Rams are coming off a loss to the 49ers and the Bears are coming off a win against Carolina now before we get into this game I wanted to talk to you about the Bears because this is a five and one football team and I still don't think they're very good what about you you know I I tend to agree because like when I was looking at the games last week and, you know, I saw Bears at Panthers, saw Bears at 4-1, and one, and I, I think this can be said over the last couple of weeks, I didn't see the Bears getting to 5-1. and one. Like, that just – it just didn't feel right to me. Sure, Nick Foles has been playing all right to get them to 5-1. and one, But, I mean, yeah, you look across their wins. Lions only beat by four. That game could have easily been a loss because DeAndre Swift dropped potentially the go-ahead – the game-winning touchdown, I should say. Uh, Giants only beat by four. Falcons fell apart there, lost at home against the Colts, only beat the Bucks by one. That was a game they could have easily lost. And, I mean, shoot, you look at the Panthers game that they just won, that's their largest margin of victory this year. I, I think I, I will agree with what you're saying there, that I don't, think, I don't think the Bears really got it. And I think that they're really going to have to prove themselves over these next three weeks because, you know, they go Rams on the road, then back home against the Saints before going back on the road to take on the Titans. So I think these next three weeks will be really crucial for the Bears in determining, you know, if they really do got it. But as of right now, I don't think they do. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. And, you know, maybe it's just – maybe they're just getting some of that one-score game luck that a team like the Chargers have wanted so badly over the past few years, or the Bengals. 
But listen, when you have to bench your starting quarterback, that doesn't bode well. Even if you have a guy like Nick Foles backing him up, I, Nick Foles has been fine. The defense is good. But I just – I think that this team isn't complete because I the offense I just don't believe in whatsoever. I don't believe in Matt Nagy. I like Nick Foles and his story, but, I mean, he's been fine. David Montgomery isn't very good. While they have Allen Robinson, that's basically it, aside from, you know, guys like Anthony Miller or Darnell Mooney who show up once or twice a game. As for the Rams game, I, I think I'm going to go ahead and take the Rams in this one. Like I said, I basically just because I don't believe in this 5-1 and one Bears team, and I think that Jared Goff will have a bounce-back game. Sean McVay will go deep in his bag of tricks, and I'm going to have to take Los Angeles in this one. I would tend to agree, too. I think the same can be said, not to the same extent as the Bears, but I think the same can be said about the Rams. I mean, you look at their four wins that they have this year, they've all come against the NFC East. Granted, two of those wins were by uh, 18-plus points on the road against Washington and on the road against Philadelphia. And they dropped an absolute heartbreaker to the Bills, a game that they could have easily won. And then lost last week against the Niners. But, yeah, I'm in the same boat with you on this game. Um, I think the Rams will bounce back. Uh, Jared Goff looked absolutely awful last Sunday night against the, the 49ers. But I think this is a game that he can potentially bounce back in. Um, and I think he will. Uh, yeah, give me the Rams in this one. I really like what you said about about the Rams kind of being a team like the Bears, just not to that extent. Because while I do think this is possibly a playoff team, beating the NFC East is not really anything to write home about. They probably should have won that game against the Bills, but Josh Allen was playing out of his mind at that point. So, yeah, I just – I think the, the Rams – bounce back here especially Jared Goff and I think he's very inconsistent quarterback but I think Sean McVay especially after last week will scheme him up and help him out with some easier throws much like Kyle Shanahan did with Jimmy Garoppolo against Jared Goff's Rams yeah and like you said I I do think this Rams team is still a playoff team and you know as unfortunate as it sounds the Bears are like just having five wins right now I think they should be able to do enough down the road, even if they do play absolutely awful, to still get into the playoffs as well with the extended format. Um, so I definitely think these are two teams that will play in January this year. But, but yeah, I, I just think the Rams are a little more better built. Like you said, replacing your starting quarterback midseason doesn't always bode well, no matter who's the backup. But, yeah, I, I do like the Rams in this game. So that'll do it for us here from the Shotgun Podcast. We'll check back in on our predictions for those five games here next week. I am Sean O'Leary, and for my co-host, TJ Sarbacker, thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.